Welcome back to Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of the Wise Man's Fear and then we discuss it. This is page 677. I was in the Fae after all. I should be seeing marvelous things. Castles of glass, burning fountains, bloodthirsty trowel, barefoot old men eager to give me advice. The trees gave way to a great grassy plain. All the parts of the Fae Felurian had showed me had been forested. So this seemed a clear sign I was well outside the bounds of where I ought to be. Still, I continued, enjoying the feel of sunlight on my skin after so long in the dim twilight of Felurian's glade. The trail I followed seemed to be leading to a lone tree standing in the grassy field. I decided I would go as far as that tree, then head back. However, after walking for a long while, I didn't seem to be coming much closer to the tree. At first I thought this was another oddity of the Fae, but as I continued to make my stubborn way along the path, the truth became clear. The tree was simply larger than I had thought, much larger and much farther away. The path did not ultimately lead to the tree. In fact, it curved away from it, avoiding it by more than half a mile. I was considering turning back when a bright flutter of color under the tree's canopy caught my eye. After a brief struggle, my curiosity won out, and I stepped off the path into the long grass. It was no type of tree I had ever seen before, and I approached it slowly. It resembled a vast spreading willow with broader leaves of a darker green. The tree had a deep hanging foliage scattered with pale powder blue blossom. The wind shifted, and as the leaves stirred, I smelled a strange sweet smell. It was like smoke and spice and leather and lemon. It was a compelling smell, not in the same way that food smells appealing. It didn't make my mouth water or my stomach growl. Despite this, if I had seen something sitting on a table that smelled this way, even if it were a lump of stone or a piece of wood, I would have felt compelled to put it in my mouth. Not out of hunger, but from sheer curiosity, much like a child might. As I stepped closer, I was struck with the beauty of the scene. The deep green of the leaves contrasted with the butterflies flitting from branch to branch, sipping from the pale blossoms of the tree. What I had taken at first to be a bed of flowers beneath the tree turned out to be a carpet of butterflies, almost completely covering the ground. The scene was so breathtaking, I stopped several dozen feet away from the tree's canopy, not wanting to startle them into flight. Many of the butterflies flitting among the flowers were purple and black, or blue and black, like those in Felurian's clearing. Others were a solid, vibrant green, or gray and yellow, or silver and blue. But my eye was caught by a single, large red one, crimson, shot through with a faint tracery of metallic something. Because the page is over. My name is Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. We perhaps have a reason that narrator Quoth is keeping from us, keeping from explicitly telling us on this page, we have a reason that he goes so far away, which is that he kind of wants to see something incredible. He kind of wants to have an adventure. Here he is, been shooed away from his companion in the Fae, and he's kind of like, well, what happens in the Fae when you're wandering alone? You you have an adventure. You see something cool. I think that he left not because he just like was compelled to leave, but because at some level he actually wanted to like go off and discover something and and have an adventure and that he's avoiding telling us that or at least he's like sheepish or ashamed about it which is why that narrator quote hasn't explicitly told us that's my read here well but the context of the paragraph because that line comes right after him saying his mood teeter between boredom and anxiety i read it as 
he's a little nervous that he hasn't encountered something like that yet. Like, it seems weird to him that he hasn't because he's in the Fae. Isn't that what you're supposed to see in the Fae? Why haven't I? I also think there's a, a very, a moment rich with import when he steps off the path. I'm pretty sure there's another, uh, <laughs> there's another story in a story, one we've already heard, I think, about uh, warning people off of stepping off the path when you're in the Fae. Yeah. So there's like a great moment of like, oh, the path goes away from this tree. And Kroth doesn't think much of it, but generally in these stories, you don't step off the path. And if you do, great calamity befalls. And wouldn't you know it, uh, he's about to befall a calamity or two. That That is a really good point. And I think that is the first of several kind of ominous descriptions that we get before the fate, before the Cathaya even speaks to him. Well, so he sees the butterflies, the carpet of butterflies, and he thinks they're alive. At first. Well, on this page, he thinks they're alive. He doesn't yeah. want to startle them into flight. And like, as a reread, it's just like, because <laughs> we know they're dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's a great bit of, that's a great bit of like light horror. You know, mm-hmm. when we do get the, the reveal that they're actually all dead, it's a bit of a like revulsion. And it, it tells us something about the character. It tells exactly. us that this, <laughs> you know, we'll talk about it tomorrow. But uh, we learned something really important that this scene of great beauty has a a very dark and and unpleasant tone because of the the butterfly corpse. To be clear, that reveal happens before the Cathaya speaks. So it really does set the tone of the conversation. I do think it's also relevant that butterflies are associated with Felurian. They they light upon her. She seems to be able to I don't know if she speaks with them necessarily, but they are like of a piece with her. And again, not on this page, so maybe we're we're violating our mandate here. But the Cathay is antithetical to that. It spends its time killing them for fun. So I think that there is a a real dichotomy here drawn between Felurian, who is compared to a butterfly and is uh, intrinsically linked to them, and this other creature that just kills them. The narration even goes so far as to explicitly remind us, like, some of the butterflies in here look exactly like the ones that fly around Felurian. Like, they might as well be her butterflies that it's then cutting up and i can't help but wonder if if the 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 cathay tries to signal him like his eye is caught but he's about to turn away right he goes "Ah, i won't go to that tree it's too far away and then his eye is caught by something i can't help but wonder if if it's like "Ooh, come here let me let me make the butterflies fly up or let me step up my slicing i'm gonna let one almost get away so that you can see it (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly jordana i feel like you had stuff you wanted to talk about at the uh when we started well, I mostly just want to talk about the butterflies and like the intense description we get here. And also like this, like we were talking the other day about how like for Nick, this chapter was like the chapter that made him want to do the podcast. For me, like this page was the page that inspired our logo, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is sort of a fun thing to think about. Uh, although I feel like like now, like rereading this description, I'm like, oh, no, I should correct these things about the logo. <laughs> Like, I don't know, just if I didn't get the details right, maybe. Mm. I mean, the imagery is, is as you said, like, it's it's an image that's, like, beautiful and also horrifying. And the, the horror of it doesn't quite reveal itself to you right away until you look a little more closely at it. It puts me in mind of the masterful science fiction horror film Annihilation, which takes place mostly during daylight and... So much of what is scary about it is just like this juxtaposition of like 
images that are both beautiful and horrifying, like uh, a glade of trees that when you look at them a little more closely are like, have grown in the shape of people. Or like uh, an eerie set of albino deer with like red flowers coming from their antlers that move in unison. Just like weird, eerie, off-putting imagery like that is is a really underused, I think, way of, of generating like fear and tension. And I think Rothfuss is doing it really well here. The other aspect that I don't want to uh, forget is the smell of the Cathaya, which is creepy or, or maybe interesting for a number of reasons. The one that leaps most obviously to mind in terms of setting the tone of this page is Quoth is compelled by it. He wants to like, even though it's not like a food smell, he wants to put it in his mouth, which I think should strike the reader as like off-putting reminiscent maybe of like poisons, you know, things that you like that might smell good or look appealing, but you absolutely under no circumstances should put in your mouth because it's dangerous. And like Quoth has been, as we have been talking about, perhaps compelled to come and talk to this thing that he absolutely should not be talking to. Come to think of it, like the idea of like the thing that smells good, not in a food way, but you still want to put it in your mouth is like so, it feels so unnatural. I've never smelled a thing that I want to put in my mouth (laughs) that isn't food. So I'm like, oh, that's really weird. (laughs) Jordana clearly has never taken the Tide Pod challenge. Oh, good lord. Well, it, it is, it, it's like a childish thing, right? Like, the reason kids put things in their mouths is, you know, their their lips are sensitive, but also it's like, this is how they explore, is through taste and scent, and scent and taste are related. And so it, it like, you, I think Jeremy hit the nail on the head when he said that it's compelling. There's something about it that is compelling. It makes you want to experience it more, explore it more, and it certainly has some kind of qualities. And this is all extra relevant because we have, this is not the first time Quoth has encountered a smell like this. Um, the lackless box smells faintly of lemon. It has a curious faint smell and Ooh. lemon is what he uses to describe it. The best uh, I can come up with and the best that the internet seems to come up with is the theory that the lackless's box is made of this same wood. Mm. Oh, that makes sense. Perhaps carved from the Cathaya itself. Well, the Cathaya is no more a tree than you are a chair. Hmm. As we will learn tomorrow. Look, you don't know what I get up to on Saturday nights. I might be a chair sometimes. Whoa. You know what? That's <laughs> that's I very fair. <laughs> In your 36-hour sessions, that's uh, right. you may roleplay as a chair, and uh, it's not for me to judge. That's right. 36-hour chair time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> title <laughs> absolutely i was actually really hoping that you were going to bring this up because like i feel like we've smelled this thing before but i can't remember exactly when or or why it might be important but i bet nick remembers and uh, you did not disappoint how pleased i am to provide oh 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 we can go yep. to the next page you want to get there you want to get there sometimes it's well, nice to just like take your time and let things settle that's what the 36 hour session is all about jordana you gotta like you know what? i want to go i want to read the dialogue i want to get to the cathay it's so much exciting let's go <laughs> screw your 36 hour session jeremy the rest of us are moving on <laughs> All right. Well, my co-hosts just want to crank one out and get on with their day. So I guess we're moving on to another page. Um, Thanks, Jeremy. You continue to be the grossest member of this podcast. Uh, The wind. (laughs) Wind.